Tonight we talk acting, and why we like getting under another person's skin. It's the art of becoming somebody else. Because maybe just for a little while, you don't want to be Grayson or Earl James. Maybe for a little while you want to be a superhero. Maybe you've always wanted that recognition and that love from adoring citizens and the ability to help people. And maybe you wanted to be a super genius just for a little while. You wanted to be admired for your mind over anything else just once. Whether or not it's for a second, a minute, an hour, a day, you take what you can get because you want that just so bad. And that's the beauty in acting. You get to become somebody else. You get to become something else. And maybe you've been struggling, whether or not it's at work or at school, in life, dealing with people you have a lot of pent-up emotions. Well, you've just stumbled across maybe the best way to let those emotions out. If you're sad from something tragic happening, or if you're angry, acting has all the opportunities to let those feelings be felt healthily. And it's not just for the people who want to experience other lives for whatever intermission they desire. Acting is also for the people who aren't comfortable with who they are. Maybe you're not okay with being Grayson Earl James. You're a little awkward, you, you fumble, you stumble, and you don't really know how to get better at being you. Sometimes the best way to be yourself is to learn what it's like to be other people, to see what it's like to be in an exaggerated state of, I am a rock star, and I have to deal with these issues that a rock star has, in the imaginary world, of course, but just as many hypothetical problems nonetheless. It really helps put life into perspective. In a moment, you'll be listening in on a conversation I had with two new friends, actually, my friend Jacob and my friend Rose. You might remember a little while ago, I gave a shout out to another podcast, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast called Dice Nights. Well, Jacob and Rose are from that podcast. That's pretty neat, I guess. <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoy the conversation I had with these two lovely people. After about five hours of editing, I still had mm. about an hour and a half, and I was like, oh god. This show usually goes for like roughly an average of an hour to 45 mm -hmm. minutes i don't like to put a, a flat time set on it like 45 we're cutting mm -hmm. it off but right. usually by the time a guest and i have uh, expended a topic really we hit mm -hmm. this this conversational low around that mark and i'm like that's a good place to cut it that was all of our previous recording just a conversational low uh, i feel <laughs> like the last quarter we got really into it and that was, you know, because we did a little conversation. And that's what we're cutting out. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm kind of confused now. Anyways, back to the actual podcast. Back, yeah, yeah back if you, to the if actual you'd like podcast. To start. <laughs> I was just literally about to say that Jacob and I really hit our stride in the podcast, which we threw away, when we started talking about acting and getting into other people's skin. So why don't you two introduce yourselves? Probably, I'm just going to shout it out so there's no confusion. 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 Jacob first, then Rose. 
tell us like where the people can find you and why should they care? Who are you guys? Yeah, I believe in gender stereotypes, so ladies first. <laughs> okay, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, um, if you wanna, I, I, I will. I will take that. Uh, I am Rose. I play Oriana Crake on a podcast called Dice Nights. It's mm-hmm. a D and D podcast. Um, I am a writing student in college currently. Um, I have a background in theater. I do some voice acting work. Um, I've done I've mm-hmm. done dance performance for about ten years. Um, so I have a reasonable amount of um, acting background and producing background for uh, performing arts. Um, I mean, if anybody wants to, they can find mm-hmm. my Twitter at Rose and Ivy with underscores between each word, but I'm not super active. Um, I also have a blog that's um, slightly wilted rose at mm-hmm. blogspot.com. Uh, or WordPress, rather. Slightly wilted rose at WordPress. But really, the best place, if you want to hear more of me, is at the Dice Nights podcast, um, which can be found in uh, iTunes or Stitcher. 10 out of 10. So professional. And now, <laughs> I try. now on to Jacob. Hi, I'm Jacob. Okay, that's it for Jacob. <laughs> now, please, go on. Where, th- where can the people find you? Uh, why should they care? I know that you're also on Dice Nights. just uh just silence or jacob don't be a piece of shit i'm sorry i'm eating chocolate god oh damn it oh my god look <laughs> jacob this is a professional podcast did you not hear my intro look. <laughs> so wait am i introducing myself again or am i introducing dice nights you're introducing yourself and a touch on dice nights because okay shoot all right i i'm jacob mm-hmm. i uh i play zephyr finindir and shaladian shadowheart in the growing podcast dice nights um I am. I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. I uh, don't do much except, you know, cower in fear of the skeleton army. Um, but uh, I love playing D and D, and I love acting. Um, I was in theater in high school, and I did a little bit of community theater out of it. And uh, yeah, it's a good time. I'm also in retail, so uh, I'm all about being fake. <laughs> oh, you can that. That was too real because I'm also in retail. I guess that's why it's called re- real tail. Yeah. You, you oh, can find our oh, you can find shut up you can find our Facebook page at oh, facebook.com slash dice nights podcast and we are actually doing a giveaway right now where uh, all you have to do is like and comment on the featured post and you have the opportunity to win a bunch of cool shit um, and yeah uh, it's ex- ending May twenty first <laughs> excuse me but not to uh, take your thunder away and you know tell you how to do your giveaway but sharing is also an option young scallywag. Sharing is also an option. Yes. You get a, you get an entry for each thing you do, so mm-hmm. like, comment, or share. And now I feel like, a, and excuse my language, but like a satisfying jackass kind of feel just for pointing that out. Do you guys ever get that? <laughs> Calling somebody out on like missing something, and you're like, I feel so good right now. I do that at work all the time. A finger guns. I was a hardcore grammar Nazi for a long time. So Still is. I'm, I'm in rehab. I'm okay. <laughs> I've gotten better. So, yeah, what kind of videos does a grammar Nazi watch to, like, denazify themselves exactly? I mean, really, it's just reading a lot of YouTube comments and refraining oh, from commenting, yeah. you know, I mean, correcting. Oh. It's like immersion therapy of just, like, people can be wrong, and that's mm-hmm. okay, and it's not your job to correct them, even though you're crying inside. I think so. I just got chills. 
just thinking I know, YouTube right? comments. It's terrifying. It's a it's a war zone, honestly. Mm-hmm. So Rose, you weren't uh, uh, you weren't here for this, obviously, but we keep we keep mentioning it. So it's important to just lay it flat out that Jacob and I tried to record a podcast episode together, and we enjoyed. Well, at least I enjoyed talking to Jacob. It was it was swell. Jacob was a fun person to talk to. Who actually reminds me a lot of friends I have, which concerns me. And my li- <laughs> my life decisions, but that all said, I enjoyed his company. But our conversation didn't go too well. So then we brought you into the fold. This this massacre of words, really. <laughs> and though Jacob and I's conversation wasn't wasn't the strongest, there was a point that we started getting a feel for each other on the topic of acting. Surprisingly, and then over over more time that we talked a little bit behind the scenes we found out okay we have this kind of acting thing in common and then i started talking to you along with jacob and found out that you had a thing for acting and that you guys are on this dungeons and dragons podcast called dice knights which is D and i've uh, talked about your podcast on this show before actually just to like shout it out i have friends that i sent over there Oh, thank you. Uh, no problem. I think podcasts should help each other out. And Absolutely. Tripod, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh... What about a quad pod? The... Guys, let's not ride the quad pod. Now... Oh, God. That sounds like a good time, though. Ugh. Shivers. Obviously, neither of you listen to enough NPR. No, Never mind. I don't. <laughs> I do not listen to any NPR. They had a promotion recently that was called Tripod, and it was, a, it was an effort to get people to suggest podcasts to people who don't listen and so the whole idea was it was tripod not the thing you balance a camera on but Mm -hmm. trying out podcasts that's anyway that's that's interesting pretty much where i was i uh... think i think for a large company they did pretty well no the Uh... concept is great the name is awful kids kids we don't stop bickering okay we're not getting ice cream on the way home we're, we're getting fucking ice cream or i'm gonna like beat you up look there's ways for me to send ice cream to you guys somehow but there actually uh, is can you send me a bag of milk because i've heard of that and i i want to see one Rose, oh yeah i forgot wrong with you no anyway. canada has bags guys, of milk instead of jugs my bags of milk come to you after your bags my bag my bags your bags of milk Look, I'm Sorry, not into I'm... this racial discrimination, okay? <laughs> Chill yourself out. Oh my god. You're destroying... Anyways, acting. I thought Jacob destroyed this podcast. Acting? Yes. Yeah, you're supposed to keep me in check, Rose. So, Rose is getting into the character of Rose. And... What? You what? know, wild and crazy? <laughs> no? Nothing? What? 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 What appeals to you guys about acting, exactly? I know Jacob's been playing D&D for... Years, I think, right? Yeah, like two years. And Rose, when did you get into it? Um, I got into playing D&D about a year ago. Um, maybe okay. a little bit more, maybe about a year and a half. And um, So I'm still a very new mm-hmm. player, um, which I try to tell everybody that I play with um, now. Because right. I think, um, you know, sort of having the podcast and stuff. They assume that I'm much better on the technical side. All right. Um, but I was actually brought into D&D as um, basically an actress or somebody who would sort of push 
the group to um, work on role play and work on character development um, okay. since that was really my strength and like with plot writing and, such. and creating characters yeah right exactly all right um so uh what sort of strikes me what i really enjoy about about acting is mm-hmm. i think it gives the individual license to experience other people mm-hmm. uh, in a very intimate way all right i think there is a degree of um you learn how to set your own self aside mm-hmm. and um fully commit to a completely different perspective and a completely different uh way of thinking even mm-hmm. and seeing the world and i think that uh, it, it teaches the actor quite a bit about the people around them. And you were acting even before this, what did you say, last year that you got into D&D, right? Uh, yeah, I've, I've had um, a, a limited amount of stage um, experience. I've All been right. in a couple shows in high school. Really, um, my, my sort of, the bulk of my acting career has been, um, I did ballet for about eight years Mm-hmm. Um, and while many people don't really see that as necessarily an acting thing, there is a degree mm-hmm. of understanding of stage presence mm-hmm. and um, emotional, um, what's the word I want? Um, sort of emotional acting that you do on stage while you perform right. um, to sort of create the emotive experience of the performance. So I've done a lot of that. I've done a little bit of voice acting here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been interested in the theater. Um, I sing as well, which is also something wow, that I, so I at least find. I'm a very artsy person. Um, mm-hmm. Do not put me in anything athletic, though, because I, I cannot <laughs> do that. Um, but so, I mean, even something like singing um, mm-hmm. or dancing, I think, has a degree of acting in it and that you need to express certain emotions and feelings and you need to create a persona for yourself mm-hmm. when you perform um, because that's what people attach themselves to when they watch you. Completely um, agree. Completely agree. People can see it in your eyes, I think, when you really commit to being this new person. Because you, you break down these walls that you have about being yourself. There's these walls that I feel like I hold myself to, that I feel like other people hold themselves to, to keep them protected. To keep them from judgment from other people. Because uh, being in the spotlight, being the focus, is dangerous sometimes. Actually, a lot of the time. I don't know why I'm saying sometimes. A lot of the time... Being the focus of things is dangerous. It's much safer to be in the background of things, to uh, blend in, as you will, which is funny because uh, the last I've moved around a lot in my life. But the last high school I went to, the uh, the stereotype what people used to blend into was like this country kind of a person. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people wore camo to school. And uh, when you say, you know, blend in, they took it literally. (laughs) <laughs> I go to my college is in um, mm-hmm. central Illinois, so I absolutely understand that, given that I'm surrounded on three sides by cornfields. <laughs> um, Holy but, moly. Um, yeah. And... So, um, but, but I agree. I think there is, uh, I mean, there, there's a reason why not everybody's an actor mm-hmm. um, or an actress, and that there is a sense of daring um, in, in, you know, being mm-hmm. somebody else and being a spectacle. Um, 
which is sort of the the business of the arts. I think it's very hard to, especially performing arts, it's very hard to be a shy person um, <laughs> and and sort of be fully in the performing arts mm-hmm. unless you prefer, you know, background, tech, directing, writing, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't think um, you're wrong there. I think there there has to be a disconnect somewhere, at least. And uh, Jacob, what is, I know you've been in D&D longer than Rose, but where I know you also said you were in theater, so where did you start off? Oh man, where did I start off? Um, for the record, I can't sing like at all, so I, I'm I'm like the worst at it. Like I've been told <laughs> that, but uh, my mm. first thing was I was in a musical. Um, oh wow, that's and ironic. I was supposed to just be like in a, a background role, but the uh, one of the character roles actually <clears throat> he uh, got sick and he wasn't unable to do it, so I got uh-huh. his role. And uh, it wasn't a singing role, but it was a dancing role. Um, oh, spicy. Fun fact, Rose, I can dance. Um, can you? That's hot. Like, take, yeah, take very, me now. It's it's a very uh, saying that I like to keep secret, but uh, what was I saying? Um, I had the role, and that's where it kind of, like, started, like, the whole acting thing. That was in, like, mm-hmm. 10th grade, I think. What um, show is it? Bye Bye Birdie. Really? What character were you? I uh, was Hugo Peabody. Guys, That's is this supposed to be like a popular play? Because I've never heard of it. It's, I think it's big in America because it focuses on basically like an, uh, a stand-in for Elvis going off to war. So it's a very like Americana, yeah. 50, or 40s kind of. Very we have, satirical. We have Elvis, yeah. I know that, but we uh, we don't have Bye Bye Birdie. Yeah, but, so I mean, it's mm. it's definitely like an Americana musical, so I, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't really produce it in other countries because it doesn't have the cultural context. You know, America. Um, America. Well, I mean, you know, my my biggest show that I was ever in was Chicago, mm. um, which you know is I obviously a very I have heard of, yeah. yeah, it's a little bigger. Um, but and I was just I was just in the chorus. It wasn't any big thing. Oh right. Um, but, but yeah, Jacob, you were uh, you were saying about being in Peabody. <laughs> the character's name was Hugo Peabody. I know that's um, that's a joke. I got you, boo. I know, and I'm I'm correcting you because fuck off. Um, <laughs> oh, and uh, cool. ladies, ladies, you're both pretty. But uh, yeah, that was kind of the start <gasps> oh. of the whole theater thing. Like, I had such a good time like doing that because like it's even just behind the scenes when you're not even acting the people you meet and stuff. But uh, mm. I don't know because I'm like I'm really introverted, but I'm also really extroverted. Mm-hmm. I'm, I can I'm, relate like, completely. Um, but I think that like that's the most extroverted way to be an introvert, because you're not being yourself; you're being someone else. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. That's kind of fun. So like, I take it's so fun to actually like the idea of being in someone else's skin and being that person totally appeals to me because I don't know. Mm-hmm. Life is kind of boring. It's kind of fun to like mix it up. Do you guys mind if I level with you a little bit? Kind of go on a a bit of yes. a tangent. Feel free. How much do I you mind. guys know about? anxiety and people dealing with anxiety oh boy i have anxiety and jacob same, same. i do too All oh right. by the way fun fact was i have anxiety <laughs> whoops we're learning so much about confessions each other. oh i know all this shit about you and drama <laughs> all this coming out on this night we talk podcast no um what i was about to say is and i was going to go into my my deep dark backstory because it's edgy no, uh, I told Jacob this already, but I got bullied, like, intensely when I was a kid. And uh, I'm not going to repeat all the, the juicy deets, because I'm sure Jacob's already tired of hearing it the first time. 
but just to uh, round it up, you know, it was pretty emotionally scarring, as a lot of intense bullying is. And I find I got through it through acting in a lot of ways. Learning to make people laugh. Learning to kind of deflect when the insults came my way. And that was very much my way of coping with what was happening. And uh, in the previous conversation Jacob and I had, he also said that uh, he catches himself kind of coping with, with humor sometimes, with deflections. And uh, I know acting specifically, when a, a child has anxiety, it's strongly recommended, at least where I've come from, the schools I've been to, that they are recommended to take a, uh, an acting class, a, a drama course. And the purpose of it is to get them out of their bubble, make them deal with the, the crazy hectic becoming somebody else, so that way being who they are is a lot easier in comparison. And I think it's the most amazing way, the, uh, the very much the sense of trial by fire, throw somebody into a pool and wait for them to swim, and if they don't do it, you fish them out and try again to help people deal with these things. So it's not like acting, it's just this, this entertainment mechanism, uh, not even mechanism, just this uh, sort of thing people do for, you know, laughs and giggles and for the tears even, or the butterflies in and their stomach. money. And the money, and all the sweet, sweet cash and cocaine. But it's also this thing that legitimately helps people. It trains them to be better than who they are. And I'm wondering if you guys have a take on that at all. Rose, feel free to start. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that in a lot of ways, and you know, and many people do with anxiety in mm -hmm. many different ways, but I think using the arts as a medium, um, especially especially focusing in on acting and focusing in on performance. Mm -hmm. I think when you allow yourself to let go of who you are and simply mm -hmm. focus on um, being someone else and, and experiencing the world in a different way, I think it... I think the, the theater feeds you as much as you feed the theater. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of this um, symbiotic relationship that right. develops um i've never met an actor who um has performed well mm -hmm. and hasn't given a shit um that's not really possible and i think that when uh you know and it's not even necessarily you know scripted roles i i used to be the leader for improv troupe um, All right. on campus and that's a very different kind of acting and i've spoken to many um, you know, of our best stage actors who say, I can't do improv. Mm -hmm. I can't do something that isn't scripted, that I don't have time to think and develop into. Um, mm -hmm. But I think having that moment where you can be absolutely ridiculous and, um, you know, fast-paced and work through, you know, these very, very quick scenes that don't have to make sense and are just spur the moment i think that's another huge way that people you know have breakthroughs and mm -hmm. realize 
that, you know, if I can do this in performance, I can do this mm-hmm. in life. Um, I used to tell people who would, you know, come to improv um, brand new, who mm-hmm. were really nervous, I don't know, you know, they'd say, I don't know if I can do this, I don't think very quickly, I've never acted before. Yeah. And I always said, you know, this, you know, if you don't want to ever perform, that's absolutely fine. But just doing this will make you think faster in everyday life. Mm -hmm. It will make you better at public speaking. It'll make you more confident in your own voice and your own body language. You'll learn about your own body and what Mm -hmm. you look like from the outside. Um, And all of that, you know, really helps with personal confidence. Mm -hmm. Because there's also, you know, there's a line that says, well, this isn't really me, so no one can... You know, no one can laugh at me directly because uh-huh. I was playing a role. I was in a scene, you know. it's They're not laughing at me. They're laughing at the event. They're laughing at the, the scene or the character. Mm-hmm. But you're still, you know, you are so in tune with your body when you create those scenes and you create those characters and you say those lines or you mm-hmm. make up that joke that, you know, it's it's simultaneously becoming someone completely different and finally settling in your own skin. And Jacob, what's your take? What was the question again? <laughs> Anxiety I, and acting. I, I kind of got lost in uh, all of Rose's description. Anxiety and acting. It was a beautiful description. <laughs> I can be wordy. I apologize. Um. So, like, anxiety and acting. Uh. Yeah, like, what she said. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, she summed it up so well, because it's like, I don't know. Well, let it me, gives yeah. you such a good confidence in, like, mm-hmm. doing something else, because while you have these problems like you can project them through something else instead of projecting them through you mm-hmm. so it's like i don't know like when oriana like gets mad in the campaign she projects mm-hmm. it through her character not like her actual person like let's say like rose is like upset in real life which i assume she always is um, <laughs> oh, okay uh because I mean, and then like she, wrong. <laughs> she can take out a lot of her like frustrations through oriana mm-hmm. because the situation fits so like i don't know when someone does something stupid like i don't know goes off into a cave mm-hmm. and she decides to follow for because she shouldn't and then she gets attacked by a face hugger then i mean okay okay first uh-huh. off spoilers um, what I, I was just giving an example i wasn't saying this actually happens. <laughs> now you've confirmed it and it's all downhill but but i think to what to what jacob is saying mm-hmm. is i think that's really you know that's very accurate and it's much easier to get those very high strung emotions out Mm -hmm. when the scenario is much more serious i think in our everyday lives Mm -hmm. um you know we don't always have the excuse or the scenario to break down and cry or sob or scream at somebody Mm -hmm. um but you know if you're in a show you know if you're in hamlet and you know you've just stabbed laertes you can cry you're going to have a much higher oh come on um, you're going to have a much higher octane reaction. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're living your life and you're going through, you know, you're failing a class and you don't know how you're going to change that or, you know, rent's due mm-hmm. and you just got fired from your job or something, you know, if you're going through these high stress scenarios and it's very hard to mm-hmm. let yourself fully emote, the theater is a wonder, you know, acting is a wonderful way to actually give in to those emotions in a way that is seen as much more acceptable and i think that's Mm -hmm. you know i think that's one of the real um issues with modern you know society especially for men 
is that they're not allowed to have a full range of emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, There's all of this posturing connected to crying or getting too angry Mm -hmm. or, you know, even just feeling sad. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of machismo attached, you know, attached to you're either fine and successful or you're Mm -hmm. violently angry, which you know, really should not be the way that you funnel emotions. But I think that's Mm -hmm. a lot of how, you know, modern day culture pushes that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think acting, which is surprisingly seen as a, as an effeminate thing often. Hmm. um, Really? You know, it becomes a, such a good way to express Mm -hmm. those emotions in a healthy way. And in a way that builds Mm -hmm. instead of, um, you know, eats you up from the inside. And you've given me, so many so many great examples which i have seen in real life no doubt of ways acting helps with people expressing themselves like you uh like you said about men not being able to really show their emotions in public um what's what's another thing men can't do uh you know it's a it's a little bit off topic but a lot of times uh it's looked more i suppose you could say acceptable for let's say two women to to kiss and it is two men to kiss at the same time mm-hmm. and or really any kind of physical affection mm-hmm. yeah, um, besides yeah. like uh, a one-handed hug kind of a thing mm-hmm. yeah you know the bro hug that mm-hmm. has exactly three pats on the back like that is ridiculous mm-hmm. i mean it's perfectly fine if that's what you prefer but there is a socialization um and again you know acting asks you to understand your body and your physicality mm-hmm. Uh, when you're on stage, mm-hmm. you know, if it's scripted that you're dancing with somebody, you have to dance mm-hmm. with that person, regardless of gender. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, you God know, Guess what, buddy? You're whatever. dancing. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a thing. Oh, um, and I think, you know, the other wonderful part about performance and acting mm-hmm. is that, you know, <clears throat> it asks the audience to participate in that mm-hmm. emotion. Um, you know, so even if you're not the one on the stage, you know, the, the point is to evoke mm-hmm. a real visceral reaction from your audience, whether it be laughter or crying or excitement. Um, mm-hmm. I was um, assistant stage managing for a show called August Osage County, All right. which is a three hour long drama. And it it's exhausting. It is absolutely emotionally exhausting. And uh, there was this day where we were, we were just rehearsing. Nobody was in costume. Nobody was in makeup. I'm, like, trying to write down lines that people are forgetting and taking notes and organizing things. And um, two of the actors were doing a scene where um, basically these, these, this couple that have been married for mm-hmm. 15, 20 years finally decides to, to split. Oh, and wow. it's you know it's very emotional and and very low key also you know it's mm. not this screaming ranting thing it's this very quiet scene and i just sort of turned up to look at them mm. and i started crying you know and this is you know oh, this wow. is without costumes without lights without mm. you know a stage like we didn't have the set up with we didn't have you know this is my my friend you know my two friends who i've known and and everything and they just got into this scene and mm. i just started crying because it hit me. And I think, you know, that's the other half of acting is reaching out and asking the audience to, um, you know, participate. And that's mm-hmm. really where the roots of acting came from. In ancient Greece, when, uh, you know, mm-hmm. drama as we know it started, 
there was this concept of catharsis, mm-hmm. um, which translates roughly to um, sort of an, an upending or a rushing out. All right. And that was the point of acting, was to have the audience mm-hmm. go through an intense emotional state and clean all of their emotions mm-hmm. out. You know, that's why you have Oedipus mm-hmm. at the very end, um, you know, weeping, blind, walking out of... Uh, Thebes, I think. I mean, I think that's wrong. But, you know, walking out of his city after being, you know, losing everything mm-hmm. he had. And that is to to make the audience feel for him. He did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, he all he did was follow his fate. And that, you know, that is the point. And I think that's the, the cornerstone that all theater is built on. Yes. And sorry, I went on for a really long time. No, I very much enjoyed it. And like I've said before, I really like the sound of your voice. So it all works out. (laughs) Now, that's quite the amazing thing. um, You mentioning the Greeks, because I'm not sure how familiar, like, it sounds like you're quite familiar with uh, Greek philosophy (laughs) and culture. But they had they had a phrase and I can't remember the phrase. Unlike uh, unlike you had, you had a, a phrase in Latin, which they followed. Well, Greek, because Greek was pre-Latin. Sorry, oh. I'm an asshole. <laughs> you know, this is my podcast? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, don't worry, I'm always uh, into learning, so I'm not offended by the correction. But whether the case, or whatever the case, they had a phrase, and it communicated this feeling of neutrality. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I might be... There's a slight chance I could be confusing them for the Romans, but I think it was the Greeks, which very much believed in the philosophy of keeping neutral in your emotions, staying very composed. They looked very fondly on that. And the fact that uh, they took so much so much passion into theater is quite astounding when you go into it having a philosophy of, no, keep composed. But this this one place, though, this is where you can go to feel something. Right, I think that's a little a little wild, and and I say this, what I'm about to say is completely serious. So don't laugh when I say the word porn. Huh. Uh, you know, I've told my friends before, and now you're probably going to be like, "Wow, what kind of friends do you have?" Uh, but just being completely serious, I've told my friends that in a way, porn is a sympathy exercise, and I know it's. It's weird to compare that to this really this really deep conversation about acting and how it's a sympathy exercise for the audience and, and the actors to really communicate and connect on this strong emotion. Truly, you know, I feel like it's very prominent in tragedies especially, um, you know, communicating this feeling that the hero loses. Um, but just saying porn and... Sorry, I'm completely losing my... Uh, train of thought here but yeah porn acting both very much sympathy exercises but i also wanted to add i think it's, oh, sorry go on i think it's interesting that you connect um you know high drama uh well not not even necessarily high drama but acting in general to porn in that you know porn is sort of the the physical mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sympathy exercise as you put it um you know it is it's physical fulfillment. It's understanding your body and um, the desires of that body, mm-hmm. which I think is often, you know, in our um, in our 
generally Judeo-Christian values, um, you know, Western 21st mm-hmm. century world, there is this very strange um, sort of taboo mm-hmm. about bodies and physicality. Um, and I, you know, I would agree that often porn can be this this way, you know, as long as it's used in a healthy manner and it's not an obsession and it's mm-hmm. not, you know, um, used to degrade or... Um, uh, I know what you're trying to say, like, uh, depreciate. Well, depreciate or degrade or even... Um, Objectify? And I'm losing it. Uh, that, that also works. Um, you know, anybody who participates, mm-hmm. which sadly happens when you have this taboo about bodies and sexual activity, mm-hmm. um, it can, you know, it can be a very helpful way to understand your own self and your own sexual drive and desires. Yes. And personally, I'm not a very religious person, personally. Oh, completely um, the same. But I think that, you know, th- there is, I like, I understand people's hesitance and bend mm-hmm. about porn and you know the industry itself has a lot of flaws um and it can be very very unsafe Mm -hmm. exactly um but i can i cannot totally understand where you're coming from with this idea that it is a sympathy exercise Mm -hmm. um i would i would posit that acting is more primarily an emotive um and sometimes Mm -hmm. an intellectual sympathy exercise whereas porn is a physical one Mm -hmm. but i mean they're two sides of the same coin i can totally see that and that's that's very very important to um separate and i'm glad you did that because i didn't think to separate it when i should have to say that one's physical one's emotional but you couldn't have said it better when you said that there are two sides of the same coin now after that i don't want to say it's a tangent because it was still on topic but just a little bit a little earlier, we were saying how much, and back to the emotional emotional connection the audience has to acting and the show that goes on between actor and performance. You said that sometimes these emotions that we have get expressed through the shows that we put on and the performances we do. And uh, Jacob, you were, you were telling me the other day about a scene in Dice Nights, which you found yourself kind of arguing with uh, Rose's character, Oriana. And it was like real emotion. <laughs> am I uh, am I mistaken? Is What's the story behind that? Okay, so story behind it was uh, that day was a pretty bad day at work. And I don't normally talk about bad days if they're really bad. I normally just talk about shitty customers. All right. Um, but uh, that game, uh, Oriana decided to uh, yell at me, which would have been, I think, the first time she's ever yelled at one of my characters. I think she's yelled at everyone else. Um, okay. And so, yeah, I kind of just flew off the handle, too. I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just yell at each other. And, like, that's not how I built the character. Mm-hmm. Um, the character's supposed to be like calm and collected most of the time, and but he lost just kind of brush things aside. But yeah, I'm just like you know, what? let's just let's just yell. <laughs> and, uh, and that brings me to the point that I wanted to bring up. Okay, we've talked a lot about uh, how good acting can be. How bad can it be for you, though? How bad like, can it be? I can give a lot of examples for that. Uh, primarily, one of my most recent exes. Okay, um, Rose knows well about her. Um, <laughs> we're gonna call her. Um, What's X number name? one. <laughs> uh, well, I don't. I don't care about her name. Her name's Claudia. 
but but I was with her for a long time um, and a ten like it was only like 10 months but like 10 months is a long time to mm-hmm. me because I'm no that is a long time know. my longest relationship was nowhere near as long so yeah we were together for a while and like towards like the last six months I didn't want to be with her okay but I also didn't want to hurt her feelings so, so you stay. I basically just acted the rest of the relationship like I okay. wanted to be in it and that I loved her. And Some... a lot of bad came from that. Like... Sometimes we want that to be the truth, though, right? What we uh, Yeah, but pretend. like, even if you know it's true, like, mm-hmm. it's kind of separating your real emotions and then putting on these fake ones. Mm-hmm. Like, Well, you have... Normally... Uh, sorry, go on. No, Grayson, feel free to interrupt me. Uh, oh, Okay, <laughs> sir. I was just don't worry. It, it happens mm-hmm. all the time in the game. Don't worry. I was just going to add on to what you were saying, and uh, go back to men who can't really communicate their emotions. That this acting thing, this acting to get through the day, and when it's bad, is when they can't feel the way they do feel, and show that to the people around them. They can't communicate it. They can't live it. They, and this is going towards specifically homosexual men that live years of their lives not being able to communicate their sexual orientation. And some go on to have wives and kids and families that it's this big act, really. And that's the thing about it. Like, it's acting on stage is good. Mm Mm-hmm. And acting in person can be good, but it does a lot of bad when you're not on the stage. Mm-hmm. I know we talked a lot about about the stage and how theater is great and all, which mm-hmm. I completely agree. But a lot of it in person, like it's it's harmful for people because mm-hmm. I know me personally, I am the worst at expressing my emotions. You saw in the last podcast when you tried to get serious. Of course. Um, and the show is didn't a work. lot about it. It's a lot about expressing our opinions. Like when we started this episode, Rose said this was uh and like in passing let's start the interview and i like to hold this show to be something more than that i think it's more of a conversation i want to connect with the people that i have on the show it's uh really opening up about who we are more than it is me asking you about your time on dice nights really and Mm -hmm. it's so true i catch myself in real life deflecting far too much to the point that it's what I consider bad at one time in my life I needed it I needed to act to deflect from the emotion I've mentioned this earlier on in the episode but at this point in my life I'm safe yet I still catch myself deflecting I can't I can't get serious with anything I frequently use humor to deflect whether or not it's romantic advances towards me um really any serious topic besides this this show is the closest thing i've had to some genuine conversations in a long time and it's upsetting and i know jacob you were saying that i don't know if you if you consider it a bad thing in your life but you were saying that you catch yourself deflecting too uh so I'd say about 98% of how I cope with my emotions is deflecting mm-hmm. um, and memes. Uh, <laughs> okay. I uh, I use those to make people... It, fuck, I'm like admitting too much, but uh, 
I use a lot of those to uh, make sure that people like don't <laughs> see that like there's something actually going on. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's kind of just it to <laughs> me. I know it's easier. It's it sucks for me, but like it's just easier that <laughs> way. And it got to the point where like I've been doing this so much that it's it's you. I've it's it's kind of like I've taken on the role. Like <laughs> this is me you've, now. You've forgotten what it's like not to um, hide sort of yeah yeah like um my friend sent me a picture recently and this is the person that i actually talk to about my problems very rarely okay um but i still talk to her she sent me a picture of an orange and it showed a guy peeling the orange and it said uh you opening up to people and then on the inside of the orange is another orange with the peel oh wow that's interesting so yeah it it was pretty accurate i'm just like oh kind of like an onion of sorts yeah, we have layers, except my layers are orange peel skins. And orange peel skins. Yes, well, I think there's layers and layers upon orange peel skins. I think there's a lot to be said about the way that we're um, sort of emotionally educated. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, I'm going to get back into the gender topic a bit, but I think um, women are much more emotionally educated than men are generally all right um and part of that is also that women are often expected to do more of the emotional labor Mm -hmm. in uh relationships or you know even you know not even romantic relationships but interpersonal relationships um all right work relationships often uh generally at least in my experience and the experience of several of my other female friends Mm -hmm. um Women are tasked with remembering birthdays, of picking gifts, of, um, you know, making sure that uh, the the sort of morale in a space is positive. Mm -hmm. Um, They're often tasked with um, balancing sort of the needs and wants of many people. And of course, you know, that does move into romantic relationships as well, is that women are often, you know, it's the old story of, uh, you know... My boyfriend didn't remember our anniversary. How could he do this? But men aren't necessarily trained to have that sort of emotive, um, you know, intelligence Mm -hmm. from a young age. Because it's assumed that women are naturally more emotional. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, they're going to be asked to express more emotion and to think through more emotion, whereas men Mm -hmm. won't be. Which I think is damaging um, to both sides, really. Because it enforces these stereotypes that really aren't true. Mm -hmm. Um... I think that often um, men get, you know, get faced with very strong emotions mm-hmm. and do not know how to Deal with approach them. them. And so, yeah, so there is a lot of this sort of shoving to one side or burying or mm-hmm. um, in, in very bad cases, um, reverting, you know, being co- so close mm-hmm. to emotionally maturing and dealing with these things and instead reverting back to their last place because that was safe and comfortable Mm. um you could also argue i think that maybe men aren't equipped physically to have this connection with their emotions that so i disagree completely you disagree i disagree completely um i have known men who Mm -hmm. are incredibly emotionally mature okay um and you know and who who can communicate and who do mm-hmm. um you know do put in the effort to sense the emotional 
energy in a room. All right. Um, and it's not necessarily, you know, it's not everybody. And I've also known women who cannot do this to save their lives, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and sort of go the very logical, straightforward route. Um, and so I, I wouldn't say that it's something inherent. Um, I would say that it's something that is mm-hmm. often, uh, because there's an assumption, you grow up focusing on, on the assumptions. Exactly. All right. And when I was proposing that it could be this this factor of one may be, one person might be more hormonal than the other, it wasn't necessarily this definitive answer. It was like, it's potentially there, maybe, but that doesn't really I think, give an answer. I think there can be individuals mm-hmm. who struggle um, with this, but I would not say that mm-hmm. it is because of their gender or sex, depending on how mm-hmm. you want to define it. And that's what I would um, agree with. That they're un- unable. Yeah. Just the same. Because, um, I mean, there, and, sorry, and yeah. there are definitely people, sorry, I keep going <laughs> on, um, but, you know, there are definitely people who struggle much more with, um, you know, dealing with emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as far as, um, you know, that it's much more of an independent individual Mm -hmm. basis than being able to um sort of wrap up an entire gender identity Uh in that ability to or not to because that also you know that works on the binary Mm -hmm. which um you know i don't know how i'm as jacob said i'm the crazy liberal okay Um, so you know i i personally do believe that you know gender is not a binary it's uh you know a there's there's much more to that um so i think it'd be damaging to say well you know men just can't do this or women just can't do this Mm -hmm. because there's some people who are not just men or just women we're all different and i think that we should more along the lines focus on what's everything needs its own time in the sun i guess i should say that we have to yeah. both focus on what's different and what's the same and appreciate both. We can't say that Jacob and I are the same because we both have a dick, you know? Absolutely. And I'm better. <laughs> Sorry, I, I coughed Ex- Excuse me, Jacob, whose show are you on? Oof. I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. Oof. I'm kidding. I, uh, I very much have enjoyed having you guys on. But, you know, to say that you and I, Rose, or Rose, you and Jacob... To say that you two are the same as well, you can say you're similar, but nobody's the same. And <laughs> I'm better. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Like I'm coming down with a cold. Like I don't know what's going on. Oh, wiping the sweat off my brow here. <laughs> it's just I've had this conversation with friends before, and it's that we should be appreciating more than we should be uh, depreciating. I guess you know the opposite, really. Uh, saying that people can't do these things that they want to because they might be handicapped but instead trying to find ways around it or you know just ways to boost people up instead of saying no and uh you know hilariously enough i think a big rule in being a dm for D is to always say yes uh, at least as much as you can no <laughs> no you don't think so no <laughs> No? No. No. You do not <laughs> always say yes. It's Let me give you a prime example of why you don't oh, always I'm in say for yes. It now. Okay. So before I met Rose, okay. I did a campaign with Cameron and it was kinda like our second real campaign. Alright. But we still did it over Roll Twenty. Um 
Roll 20 seconds. Uh, Rose is an uh, ex who is crazy Don't in the game. Drop. Don't name I'm not gonna, I won't, oh, I fuck. can beep it yeah. out, I can beep it out, don't <laughs> I worry. I did name Joe. Uh, anyways, uh, he had a character who, uh, somehow went insane. Um, okay. And, like, there was no reason for it, he just decided to play like that. And he decided to kill a bunch of, in, like, civilians. Like, mm-hmm. just to, you know, cast a fireball on them. Well, uh, as a DM, you can't just let everyone get away with everything. Like, mm-hmm. That's something that has real consequences. Yeah, but that's no, not... No, you can't do that. No, that's saying yes, you, you can. can. It's just that it has a reaction. Okay, how about this? Like, oh, I'm going to plant this TNT mm-hmm. in this dragon's butt, and I'm going to... And, like, the... What? You can't do that. And, like, I'm going to roll for no, it. No, I think it's... Even if you roll a, a nat 20, uh-huh. you say no. This... I like to think of this as natural selection. If you want to put <laughs> TNT in a dragon or a dinosaur's butt... Then you say yes, you can try, but you're gonna die. It's well. I think there's. I think there's two different mm-hmm. perspectives of what saying yes is. Yeah, you're saying it completely here. different than what because, I'm saying. Because I think what what Jacob is is saying is that um, a DM cannot let the players run the campaign. That's mm-hmm. not their job. The DM has to be there to say yes. That is within the realm of possibility, mm-hmm. and you can try for it. Um, or no, that's not because if you you know if you consistently say yes, you get characters who you know are min maxed and mm-hmm. power imbalanced, and they you know I... if you have a character that says hey I want to do this you know I want to um, you know set this thing on fire, mm-hmm. the DM should say okay you're allowed to set that on fire, but here are the consequences, mm-hmm. and those consequences should balance. So in the example. You know, if that character said, I want to set this building on fire, killing yes. civilians, the DM has the right to say, you did that. Now you're, you know, you have mm-hmm. to deal with this problem you created. Repercussions. Which I think okay. is what you're saying about saying, yes, you can mm-hmm. do that. But Jacob is saying, you know, it, it is also the DM's role to limit the character mm-hmm. so that it's not just, um, you know... You don't have these little gods going around doing whatever they want. There mm-hmm. need to be equivalent consequences. Yes, I think well, that's. I have, a, that's I have an even better saying. example that actually Cameron showed us. Um, All right. A DM. It was. It was something on Reddit. I remember reading this. Yes. The DM had a character who apparently like retired his character in the campaign, which is fine and dandy. All right. The character retired a king, but the the actual player wanted to still be in control of that character and run the kingdom. The DM said yes to okay. that. So apparently, the king was giving him and his other friend quest that the dm didn't know about and giving them just gold out of nowhere that's something you should say no to mm-hmm. like you shouldn't say no you can you can't control your character after you retire him that's a flat out thing you should say no to mm-hmm. the the dm's role in my in from what i sort of see is to be the god who sustains the laws of physics and the rules of the game mm-hmm um, which is difficult because you have to be impartial and you have to sometimes give out, you know, um, you know, bad luck and, and retribution mm-hmm. to people you don't really want to hurt. Um, no favorites. You know, cause exactly no favorites. Um, you know, you have to sort of balance it and you have to make sure that the people you're playing with who are often friends, you know, close friends mm-hmm. and everything, uh, you have to sort of keep them at arm's length because nothing is personal mm-hmm. because the DM is the god of that world, um, especially if it's a world that's been independently designed from uh, manuals and stuff. Like Cameron's mm-hmm. world is more or less completely designed by himself. 
Mm-hmm. The, the um, correct term is homebrew. Yes, it's homebrew. Thank you. Yes. So if you know if you're doing a homebrew world, uh, the the DM's role is that much more that of a god, mm-hmm. um, and gods, you know, have to have to look at things from different perspectives. That's the inherent, mm-hmm. you know, level that's different there. Because Cameron is omni omnipotent. I think is the term omnipotent, omnipresent for your campaign omnipotent omnipotent that's that's the complete word i was looking for yeah that one thank you very much fucking wordsmith english major <laughs> um <laughs> could i could you could i um so to sort of loop this back to acting all and right. um all of that i actually wanted to ask you guys so we you know everybody every human does a degree of image manicuring in everyday life Mm -hmm. um so you know because you're not you're not gonna be the same person with you know your two best friends as you are in front of your boss at work or Mm -hmm. you know you know uh, whatever like for different situations you need to present yourself slightly differently all right um and i think to some degree some of that is acting um and i wanted to ask you know how how you guys relate to that image maintenance um, for everyday life. So how and... do we act as Grayson and how do we act as Jacob? Well, how do you even figure out, you know, what do you think that there's a difference between public and private, um, you know, Rose or Grayson or Jacob? Um, and how do you sort of like just thoughts, thoughts on, on, on all that? Um, why don't you go first, and then I will follow that up. So, Rose, you've actually met me in person here <laughs> in Chicago. You know I'm a completely different person, like, when I'm actually, like, in front of you. Mm-hmm. Like, through computer screen or through text, like, I'm, I'm a little bad. bit more, like, I'm out there. Like, mm-hmm. on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm definitely a 10 when I'm on the computer. In person, I'm about, like, a 7. Okay. Um... So, like, I think a lot more about what I do in person, um, especially if I'm with, like, uh, someone who's, like, a superior to me, like my boss. Like, I tone everything down when that happens, but I think the whole separation between um, the being, obviously, you guys are in different parts of the world. Uh I'm over here on my computer screen just staring at my little audio waves. Mm -hmm. Um, I can be as obnoxious as i want because there's not saying there's no consequences um but the consequences are very limited mm-hmm. i hold myself to a higher standard when i'm in person hmm. all right and rose how do you how do you differentiate between private and personal rose or public sorry well well i think see it's, it's really interesting because um for I've been vaguely conscious conscious of this sort of change for a long time okay. um, in my life. When I was a kid, I went to a really, really tiny private Catholic school. All right. Um, so I basically went from pre-kindergarten to eighth grade with the same 12 people for most of my childhood. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, all of them, like, you know, we were closer to siblings than you know, friends or peers or classmates because we've mm-hmm. just been with each other for so long. Um, so there was a lot of... Uh... 
a lot of it, there wasn't as much stress put on you know appearances and everything because it was mm-hmm. like well you know they know me they've known me like they they've been through every awkward stage that we've all gone through mm-hmm. you know we don't really have any dirt on each other um and i'm a person who i have a very um I have a very strong image of who I want to be. All right. Um, you know, sort of this perfect rose image thing. And I mm-hmm. do uh, care a lot about how I present to other people. I want to give a good impression and I want to be, um, you know, I sort of want to match up with this ideal person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I do, you know, I do have sort of an idiom I go for. You know, I do this sort of artisty thing. I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm very particular with my fashion sense. I wear makeup. Liberal. Okay. There's um, nothing wrong with that. You know, I, like, I wear makeup um, and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily, you know, part of that is just because I enjoy it. Um, but I'm also, hi- you know, hyper aware of how mm-hmm. others may perceive me. Um, and I-, I think, you know, what makes me think a lot about this was um, in my last relationship, there was an instance where um, I was accused of being ungenuine. All right. Um, because of the way I would interact with different people. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was a really shaking moment for me because I, I had actually moved out to Las Vegas for a couple months. Um, so I had very few close friends Okay. Um, while I was there. I was in a completely new state. I had no family nearby. I had, mm-hmm. I didn't, I, you know, I hadn't known anybody for longer than, you know, six months, um, uh-huh. you know, in that area. And I was constantly surrounded by new people who, you know, I hadn't known for most of my life, who I felt like I could not relax around. Um, and so do we, you know, so I was constantly doing this, um, you know, personal manicuring and, you know, trying to figure out the best way to interact with, you know, um, my significant other's parents and, you uh-huh. know the the friends he'd introduce us to and the other people and you know my boss at the time because i was out there for an internship Mm -hmm. um you know and these different people i was i was learning how to interview i was doing a journalism internship so i was learning how to you know talk to people i was interviewing how to conduct um you know business negotiations everything and so to be turned around and told you know you're a very ungenuine person because you are so conscious of how you come off when you have no safe space here Mm -hmm. Um, it was really striking and, um, it was very uncomfortable because it felt like I, you know, there, that because I was conscious of the way I came off to other people, yes. um, I, I could not be, um, myself in a way or that mm. those versions of myself were not genuine, even though it was just sort of shifting the angle of approach uh-huh. for those people. And... At least for my answer on your question. Maybe I relate to that a little bit. There, hmm, I'm trying to think on how I can phrase this right. How I can match up to your wonderful story and perspective. Don't even try. Don't even try. (laughs) Trust me, like, out of, like, our podcast, Mm -hmm. like, everyone else is about a 7 when it comes to roleplay. She's like a 32. It's all I have, dude. Damn. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's all I've got. <laughs> well, let me phrase. I mean, we need that though. So like... <laughs> let me try to put it into words. Public Grayson will go outside and he will be social. He will smile and he will be charismatic as hell because that is how Public Grayson survives in the wild habitat that is our society. And it works. And when Grayson, or when Public Grayson is faced with what uh, Jacob phrased as a superior, like a boss or something, up, Public Grayson will kneel metaphorically. (laughs) I'm losing my mind. This is great. I'm going to keep going. Uh, He will kneel, in a sense. And. I'm going to start screeching. God, please don't. And. He will. (laughs) 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 Oh, you're throwing me off so much, Jacob, please. Dude, my audio wave is, like, completely at the top. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to fix that. <laughs> but, uh, okay. I'll stop speaking in third person. Thank and you. And I will put... God damn it, knock it off with the desk noises. Holy moly. Uh, but as I was saying, very much kneel to the superiority and understand that that person has this position above me. However, I will, on my own, in my privacy, I hold myself to so much more than that. I hold myself to be more than what I am. I try so, so very much. And like you said, Rose, you have this idea of perfect Rose, ideal Rose. I have the idea of perfect Grayson. And I live every single day. Sometimes I don't try as hard than other days. But I still am working my way there with this this role model of sorts in my head that I keep trying to be. Somebody who is, in all aspects that I can believe, better than who I am right now. I think of this ideal Grayson as somebody who is respected, somebody who can be everything I am, all these conflicting emotions all at once. Somebody who is still funny who can be this charismatic guy, yet he's also this serious person, because when I'm alone and when I'm talking to you guys, I feel like I have these subtle touches of humor, but I'm looking for this real conversation that, out in the real world, I don't get to have. Because, I don't know. I don't let myself have them, maybe. And I, like in this situation right now, I'm not deflecting, I don't think. But out in the real world, in the public, I would certainly deflect. I would certainly hide my head in the ground because it's easier. And once I find a place that I plan to stay in, I change completely. I go, I try to bring both sides of me and it always conflicts because I wonder whether or not the real Grayson is this serious, this very, I don't know how to put it into words now, just serious, very real Grayson, or if I am this jokey Grayson, if I am the guy who will never, ever take anything seriously, because whether or not he won't let himself feel it, or because he's not willing to. So it's a constant battle with uh, two sides of myself, which I'm not allowed to speak in third person anymore, so 
<laughs> wrecked. I think it also it also helps that we're so far apart from each other. Like even if we were like across the street and mm-hmm. we were still doing this, it would help to be doing this over the computer because it, it could result back to the whole manly complex or like yeah the gender stereotypes. Mm-hmm. But having someone see you vulnerable is a lot harder than actually being vulnerable. Like it's one of the reasons why like. The person that I normally talk to about my problems, like I can hardly open up to them because we're always doing it in person, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's hard for me. Like I don't I don't want someone to see that. Um, that's why over on this podcast, like you guys can't see what's really going on. You just mm-hmm. hear me, and I think mm-hmm. that that separation really helps. Like I don't know, it's such a like it's such an animalistic in, in, instinct to not be vulnerable, visceral. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I think um, there is something you know something gets bolstered when you know when you're communicating, you know via um, online or even a phone call or text, um, you know anything like that where it's it, like there's almost more time to think in between responses. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know that for a really long time, like I'm very, I'm very bad at making phone calls. Um, right. That's what gets my anxiety pumping, mm-hmm. um, because I feel like the option to have control over the conversation um, is gone um, okay. in a way. And it's very funny because you know talking on Discord uh, and that sort of thing, it it doesn't it doesn't trigger the same thing. And I think it's because there is a predetermined expectation. You know, I know who mm-hmm. I'm going to be talking to. I understand the parameters of that conversation. You know, when mm-hmm. I log on for, you know, Dice Nights, I know, okay, it's going to be banter. I know all these people. You know, if I'm feeling very socially low and introverted that day, mm-hmm. there's going to be five more people to fill the silence that I can just listen to. Um, getting random phone calls on my phone, I almost never answer numbers that I don't recognize because I don't like that idea mm-hmm. of uh, suddenly losing control. Um, and you know, and I've, I think I've had some of my um, most uh, important discussions with people when they're not in front of me. Um, and, you know, and I'm not necessarily a person mm-hmm. who's, uh, who's bad at opening up to people in person. Um, but, you know, I think there is a degree where, you know, when you're not face-to-face mm-hmm. with somebody, it's much easier. It's almost like you're talking to yourself, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no so consequence. There's less to lose. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I would be lying if I told you that I've never... Do you have an Android or an iPhone? I'm not sure if it's the same for iPhone, but... She has a fucking Apple phone. What a piece of crap. Wait. <laughs> she, she has Verizon. I don't know what she's doing. Don't you have Verizon? He no, progressive. I have T-Mobile. Oh, okay, yes, T-Mobile. Oh, well. well, what I was just about to say is that you have this little menu thing that you drag your finger down from the top of your screen, and it shows you all your notifications at once. Mm-hmm. And you can see your Facebook message that somebody sent you. You can see your text message. Um, specifically with Facebook messaging, uh, it says when you've seen it. So I look at the notification, <laughs> oh. and I, I read it first. And I think, how do I approach this? How do I tackle this conversation? I want to be the very best like no one ever was. I want to... <laughs> hey, hey, Grayson, do you want a pro tip? Sure, Raptor pro tip. So what you do, 
is uh when you see a message and like you don't want them to know you've seen it after you've like Turn read off your it, if it's like too long to actually read in that no 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 after you've read it after in like that little chat bubble mm-hmm. go to the settings and mark it as unread oh that's neat. that will get rid of the scene sign i did not know that thank you i think we're helping every single listener with that tip yeah man. yeah i know so many mean... people who have anxiety about that they're like i can't i can't open that message because they're gonna know i've seen it and then they're gonna be like why haven't you answered me yeah in hindsight that was probably a bad thing to tell because it goes back <laughs> into the whole idea of suppressing your emotions mm. but you know whatever but there's but there's also a degree of you know manage what you can manage um oh yeah like if you get some guy asking for like some really weird pictures like i just got a guy yesterday asking me to send nudes and i'm just like okay that's weird <laughs> um that's not even mm-hmm. a joke um uh you can just mark it honey, as a and you, you never honey, saw it i understand completely like you're not a dude yeah i'm also i'm also not really a dude we so don't know if rose has been approached by ladies for nudes we don't know that do tell rose i've been approached by all kinds because for a while i was using the ok cupid and the tinder and, uh, none of those are fun. Fucking trash. Uh, look. Excuse just me. Just so you don't feel ostracized, I also have used Tinder. I have also used. Oh my god, you're both trash. I'm done. Oh. Oh my god. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with looking for love in all the wrong places. You know. Hey, I got two delightful coffee dates out of OK Cupid. It was super nice. There you go. Yeah, and that's all I wanted. You know, <laughs> on that note of OK Cupid, and you know. Jacob coming in and out of our another way to act. Oh yeah, totally. Um, I was actually just going (laughs) to say, I think right now is like the perfect time to let the show be and call it, call the show, call it an episode. (laughs) So I'd like to thank you both for coming on so much. I adored having you on and I'd love to have you both on again sometime. Oh, absolutely. I'm sorry. I feel like I sort of kicked off a bunch of tangents and we didn't really focus on acting. And no, no I, much I, I completely disagree. I think we touched on acting fantastically. We hit it on so mm-hmm. many levels. It was like, it blew my mind. Because I thought <laughs> like we were mainly just going to talk about theater acting, but I'm just like, let's fucking mix it up a bit. Let's, you know, let's talk about the bad And there you have it. That was Jacob, Rose, and I, all talking about acting. Of course, it started off with a little bit of touches on Dungeons & Dragons. Of course, that's where where they thrive. That's what their own podcast is all about. But it's quickly stretched into something very much more. It turned into these good things, what theater and acting really represent, and what they provide. These people all people this opportunity to feel new emotion to deal with their own pent-up emotion to know what it's like to be somebody else at least for a little while and of course we expanded on dungeons and dragons and how much not only how much fun it is but how much it enables us to really let our inner selves out hence the whole purpose of making a character but also role-playing that character so you have the best of both worlds you get to be you but you also get to be them anyway i hope you enjoyed tonight's show if you'd like to support the podcast you can go ahead and follow us on twitter on soundcloud uh, instagram facebook it's all at tonight we talk well 
Actually, Facebook is at Tonight We Talk Show. And of course, if you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. But whatever your choice, whatever you'd like to do, I genuinely hope you have a nice night.